Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to The Den. This is your boy, Isaac Murden, a.k.a. The Finisher. I just want to thank everybody for just tuning in this afternoon. We have a very special guest, um, author Miss Vanessa Gawara. She is a graduate of KDU College in Zimbabwe. She's also the author of Change Your Life in 100 Days. And she has an ebook called Flipping It Sideways. So without further ado, welcome Miss Vanessa Gora. How are you this morning? Oh, I am fabulous. I'm fabulous to be on the show. Appreciate you taking time out to come and just hang out with us for a few minutes. So um tell tell our audience a little bit about who you are. I have traveled around the world. I have, um, okay, let, let me start from the beginning. I was born and raised in a small African country right next to South Africa. I went to 11 schools before the age of 18. My parents then decided to ship me off overseas. So I've been to Asia. I have been to Europe. And I've also lived in two different African countries. I can speak English pretty well. Um, and of course, a bit of French. And yeah, I mean, my thing is like, I've always wanted to reach the world through, you know, through my voice, because I found out later on in life, I had ADHD, I struggled in school, I had to repeat a couple of grades, you know, grade one, I repeated twice. And then the second grade, I repeated it about twice, and then, and then I struggled going into high school and even graduating from high school. And so when I found out at 23 years old that I had ADHD, that changed my worldview, and I wanted to actually help people and encourage them to find their passions and to go for them through just talking about my life experiences. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much me. So you say you you. You attended, you said, eight schools by the time you were 11 years old? No, I, I attended about 11 schools by the time I was 18. By the time you were 18 years old. What was that like? Oh, uh, well, I mean, it was hard because I never really stayed long enough to really connect with a lot of people. And then when I did my friends would move away or I would move away. So it was constantly jumping from one school to the next school to the next. But it also taught me to just enjoy risks, you know, because jumping from one school to the next, I had to adapt. So I became, it became easy for me to adapt to any situation, any country, any culture. So I think that's why when I would go to different cultures, I never used to struggle that much. Um, different countries because I was used to hopping from one place to the next. So when I'd hop from one school to the next, I'd have to meet new people, befriend them, learn how the system worked. And then once I did that, I would go to the next school. So in life, that's actually really benefited me a lot. As a kid, I didn't appreciate my parents doing that. But now I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've learned a lot from that experience. So what was your relationship like with your parents? Uh, well, that's a, that's a good question. I think the thing is my parents as, as a kid were very much 
you know, goal-oriented people. And I grew up in a very competitive family. Both my siblings, I've got two siblings, they're older than me, were artistic, but they were also athletic. So they would be in almost every club, you know, debate club, public speaking club, you know, and then they would be able to also do sports, hockey, soccer, basketball. And I couldn't really do any of that growing up because I was a late bloomer. I only really got into writing or discovering who I was when I was 13, 14 years old. So it was very hard because I always felt like I didn't measure up to their level of success or I didn't measure up in terms of where they wanted me to go. So for the longest time, my self-esteem was very low because I would be like, you know, I'm not meeting my parents' expectations. So it was a very challenging period. Yeah, it seems like you come from a very competitive family. And, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and when you come from that type of family, it really is sometimes it's difficult for us to find our place when all your siblings, um, they're achieving all these goals. And and they're doing things at a level that, you know, that you really can't understand. And you also talked about being a late bloomer, and trying yeah. to meet your parents' expectations. Um, that that had to be a lot. What was that like, trying to meet their expectations and not knowing your own expectations? It was hard. It was really difficult because, for the longest time, I didn't really understand, you know where I should go or who I should be because I was like, I can't do the things that they can do. I tried everything. I, you know, I'll take an example. My parents used to go and play tennis at the club and my siblings could play tennis and I could not. I could not swing the bat no matter how much I tried. My <laughs> coordination was all over the place. So I would be swinging this bat and it, would, it, would, it wouldn't even, you know, when you feel like, you're not doing the right thing. Like, everyone's showing you how to hold a bat, you know, because it's not that hard, right, holding a tennis racket. But for me, I would be holding it in such a weird position that no matter even if I tried to, like, hit it, I would always fall and slip on the ground. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> like, what is going on? And then I tried hockey, and hockey was a mess because my hockey instructor would be like, why are you swinging the hockey stick like it's golf. So I was like, oh my gosh, like seriously? So it, w it was difficult. And then I tried being artistic because my my siblings all could draw, like my dad. And, you know, I would be trying to draw and I'd be drawing stick figures instead of actually doing this, this you know, like drawing. Because um, my sister won. She came in second place for drawing lion cups. Right. At the national level for high schoolers and me no matter what I tried it was just it was terrible like it was depressing so so it, it was challenging because I was like I can't draw I'm not good at school I'm not good at you know sports and I'm like what what is going on right now so I did have a rebellious phase from the time I was like 12 to about 13 like, I was out there kissing boys when I should not. <laughs> <laughs> but that eventually, you know, ch changed when I reached 15 because I was like, yeah. But 
it was a difficult period because I, I just wanted to belong somewhere. And it took me a while. And funny enough, when my parents sent me to boarding school because they were like, well, we've tried everything, extra lessons. We've tried, you know, helping you, you know, we're, we're shipping you off to boarding school. And, you know, I was like, no, I can't go to boarding school. But that is really where I blossomed because I was no longer competing with my siblings or trying to please my parents. So that's sort of like when I discovered writing because, you know, I was I was away from everything and there was no television. There was nothing, just me and the like four corners of a bedroom. And I was like, I'm bored right now. So I actually started writing a story. And the first story I actually... I actually even still remember it. I used to love Power Rangers, so I wanted to write a continuation of of an episode because, like, oh, it ended. I want to know what happens next. So right. I just started writing, you know. And then I discovered that, wow, that's what I'm good at. I'm just, I'm good at writing. So that's sort of like when things start to shape. You know, you talk about getting under the realm of your parents, um, and having an opportunity to just be by yourself and finding your gift. Like, how did that yeah. feel? You know, not having to um, uphold the expectations of your fam- of your family when you really didn't know what they really expected of you. Honestly, it was so satisfying because I know I didn't have to feel like a failure. My For the first 13 years of my life I felt like such a failure because I was bringing home you know D's and E's and my sisters and my brother was bringing home A's and B's you know they were getting like certificates saying that oh your daughter is a godsend and your son is one of the best students and and me I I could be free I could do what I wanted without having to overlook like look behind me and say what do my parents think? What do my siblings think? Am I good enough? And by doing that, because the thing is, when I started the writing, or even just generally blossoming, I didn't realize that was what was happening. It, it was sort of like a natural uh, trajectory of what was going to happen Like if I had room to just be myself without having to try being like everyone else. And, you know, that was a great feeling because I realized that, wait a minute, you know, I actually have a voice. I actually have a gift. I actually have a talent that I didn't know I had. You know, I'm not just, you know, like, you know, what is it? You know that Play-Doh, that, you know Play-Doh, right? As a kid, you play it and then you just, you shape it the way you wanted to shape yes, it. Yes, I understand that. You know, when I was in that moment, I realized, wait, I'm not Play-Doh. I can follow my own path. I can travel the, my own road. I don't have to go you know, where my parents want me to go or where my siblings want to go. So at 14, that really changed everything for me. So when did you um, discover um, or you knew you had a problem when it came to the ADHD? Um, What was that like? Well, I think the thing is, I always realized that I had a problem concentrating as a kid because while everyone was you know, looking at the teacher, I would be imagining being on a plane flying to an island. And I was 10 at the time. <laughs> and I would get lost in my thoughts. And I'll be like, oh, you know, imagine I was a pilot and then going to, you know, you, you know, flying a plane or something. And then, 
my teacher, I remember this particular event where I was, I was lost in my own thoughts, in my own world. And I didn't even know that class was going on because my vision or my dream was so vivid. It was almost like I was there. And then my teacher came and hit the table and I jumped because I was so lost in what I was thinking of. And then I realized that, wait a minute, that not everyone goes through that. And I struggled for so long with a lot of things. Like, you know, I wouldn't understand what teacher was talking about or I would get bored so easily or I would just lose my train of thought or, you know, I, it was honestly a real struggle. But I think for me, when I really realized it was a problem was when I was in university because university was so hard, I slept through most of my classes. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was there falling asleep while students were concentrating and I was always late to school and class. And I would always have to have these excuses, oh, sorry, I overslept and having to catch up with everyone else and and it didn't, it was really shocking to me because I was like, what is going on? I mean, yes, I struggled in high school, but this is, you know, weird. I never used to sleep in class. And, you know, I remember when I got my report card in passing and I was so shocked because I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> that not, was not true, right? Yeah, I was like, what is going on? Is this, you know, but the thing with me, I realized that if I studied, two days ahead of time I would fail if so I would only study the day before the exam and only for two hours because any longer than that I knew I would get confused so that was sort of like my routine but even though it was still hard so I remember going home and saying you know I'm shocked to you know to my parents that I've got ADHD you know like I'm struggling right like I was struggling with school and then I had to go for the whole thing of the test and everything. And then that's when I found out I had ADHD. But it was a weird dynamic because I didn't realize that every single thing that I've been through was, you know, shaping me to become this person. But on the other hand, the reasons why I still struggled was because of a condition that I never knew I had. Exactly. You know, when we were yeah. talking about being in class and wandering off, I used to just call that daydreaming because I was just not interested <laughs> yeah. in what the teacher was talking about at all. So I might yeah. as well just take myself out of this class and think about something that I was interested in. So <laughs> I most definitely can relate. And I think many Americans, yeah. many Americans yeah. suffer from some level of ADHD, you know, so I, I think yeah. it's a common occurrence uh, uh, among us. Um yeah, true. Now you talk about your writing, and um, it seems like you know that's where you really excelled. So tell us a little bit about um, this course that you created, "Change Your Life in a Hundred Days." How did you come about to, um, you know, develop that course? Oh uh, well. What happened was in 2018, I hit rock bottom and I struggled for the longest time because I didn't know what to do. It was almost like I had hit a brick wall, like 
that everything that I thought I knew about myself, it came to a crash. So when I left, because I actually went to America for about three months, and that's when I hit rock bottom because I was living with an abusive relative. So that really messed up with my self-esteem. And when I went back home, I, I was so lost. I didn't know, you know, what was the next step. So it took me time. But then I realized that I couldn't stay in a rut anymore and I had to move past it. So then that's when I started, you know, reading, you know, personal development books and listening to podcasts. And then that's when I also started my business because, I, you know, all these ideas came to my mind of, you know, I don't want to live anymore under the control of someone else. Exactly. I want to be, you know, I want to be independent. I don't want to depend on other people because other people have got their own issues and sometimes they put that on you. So that's when I started working on my business. That's when I started finding, you know, my purpose and my why. And with that, something changed within me because what I realized when I stopped complaining about my situation, I transformed my life because I was no longer looking at my problems as something to weigh me down. Instead, I was looking for solutions to my problems. I was like, okay, fine. I don't have money. I don't have a job. How do I get money? How do I get a job? And then I was like, okay, jobs won't work. Maybe I start my own business. How do I get clients? I advertise to my friends and to the people I'm close to. And so it, it sort of like was this ladder I kept climbing up to one step after the other. And eventually, before I knew it, I changed the way I looked at things. I stopped complaining about my situation. Instead, I became more positive. I stopped you know, worrying about money. Instead, I became more proactive. So the whole concept about the 100 days is what I realized is it takes 90 days to change your life, literally, because all it is is one habit. You stick with one habit, and that one habit can change your life. Let's say you can't wake up early. How do you find a way to do that? Because when you wake up early, that makes you more productive. That makes you more efficient. Your brain is clearer, so you can come up with solutions quicker. So that's how the whole thing came. Just simply looking at my life through a microscope and realizing that I could change my life in 100 days. You know, that's amazing because when I, when I think about just people in general and the type of work that I do, mo yeah. most individuals, when they have a problem, they hit rock bottom, they have a problem for the problem. So they yeah. never they never get out of that rut. And you know, you talk you talk about, you know, just just giving yourself an opportunity to do something different, you know, change your thought, um, create a different action. And th and that's important for our audience, you know, to to hear is that, you know, when things get rough, you know, that's an opportunity for change. That's an opportunity for growth. And many times what happens is when people hit rock bottom, um, they stay there. Just like I said earlier, you know, we continue yeah. to find a problem for a problem. And I most definitely agree with you. You know, if you do one thing every day, 
for 90 days. It becomes habit forming. I most definitely believe that because I've done it in my personal life. Um, as yeah. far as getting up early, having a routine. Having a routine is very, very important. Like I do pretty much the same thing when I get up every morning. And it becomes repetitive and it gets to a place where you're doing it and you don't even realize you're doing it. So I most definitely appreciate you even, you know, talking about the the the, the small things that we have to do in order for us to get to a place of, of, of being successful. And sometimes success is not always money. Success can be just yeah. in a way that we, you know, we change our life or we just do some different things in order for us to feel better. You also have an ebook called Flipping It Sideways. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, basically Flipping It Sideways, it is, when I came out of the, the mess that was 2018, I went through a couple of illnesses. Like I had a serious bad case of ulcers. And then after that, my health just deteriorated because I wasn't eating properly. So flipping it sideways was just a mentality I developed that was looking at critically analyzing life as it is. Like, for example, the example we were taking, right, where we're talking about waking up early. I never used to be an early morning riser. I was the type of person that would sleep at 12 and then wake like 12 a.m. and then wake up something like 6 p.m. That's some good sleep. (laughs) (laughs) It is some good sleep. It really is. (laughs) But the thing is, it messed up my routine and my day because I was always groggy. I was always grumpy. I was literally not proactive or productive at all. And I was like, okay, fine. I have to change the way I look at things. I have to change the way I do things. So I had to go from being literally a night owl to being a lock. And with ADHD, ADHD people are known to be heavy sleepers. So I used to have like six different alarms and I still wouldn't hear them. (laughs) So (laughs) like one is the other. And my parents, because at the time I was staying in my, my parents' house, so the alarms would be ringing and my parents would hear it and I wouldn't hear it and the phone would be right next to my bed. So I had to change my mentality and say, if I truly want to wake up early, I have to see my ADHD not as a crutch, exactly. but more a blessing. I have to see the things I've been through not as a curse, but as a blessing. So that's just flipping it sideways. It, it was a narrative I started forming that you take the things that you're going through and you flip them to a point where you're looking at something different, a new perspective. So whatever it might be, whether it's the fact that you have a terrible laptop, you know, there are people in the world who don't have laptops. Exactly. Right. Or maybe it's the fact that you are staying in a house with a leaky roof. Well, there are people who don't have a home who are sleeping outside. So I just started counting my blessings and looking at things through the perspective of, you know, this is a blessing. This can help me grow. What I've been through can help me help others. And, and that's what it happened because with what I've been through, I started helping others in terms of 
you know, where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do in life. Not, it was never a forced thing, but it was more of an outlook I just grabbed onto and people saw that and be like, wow, you've changed. You're different now. What is going on? Can you tell me? And I think that's a thing that a lot of us entrepreneurs um, get wrong. We want to force our ideas on people. But often at times, it's just people looking at us and being like, I want to have whatever they have. Because if they are settled, then maybe I'm missing out on whatever is on them or whatever they do. Yeah, you know, many, many times when we have this entrepreneurship um, spirit, um, we always look outside the box. We look at what everybody else has going on and what's going on with them. And we believe yeah. that we're supposed to be there right with them. But, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, you just have to be thankful for what you have and and be blessed yeah. for some of the things that you don't have. You know, and I always say this for myself. You know, I look at people that may have more than me, but I also say I might not want to have to go through what they had to go through to get to what they have. Wow, yeah. Because That's everybody's true. path is different. It might take you longer yeah. to get there, but by the time you get there, it's a possibility they may be where you are. Yeah, yeah. So um, this has been a great, great, great conversation. I really enjoyed talking Thank to you, you. Um, this morning, this afternoon. Vanessa, tell yeah. our audience how they can contact you. Yeah, sure. Um, you can follow me at Vanessa Gora, G-O-W-O-R-A. You can also check out my website, vanessagora.com. And yeah, and it was lovely being here to, to discuss a bit of my life. And hopefully we can connect. Really, Vanessa, you could have been anywhere in the world this morning, but you decided to take a few minutes to come hang out with Isaac at the den. I most definitely appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Vanessa Gawara. Vanessa, if nobody told you that they love you today, I want to let you know that I love you and you have a great day. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you once again. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you.